Parkrun Adventures, episode number 64, the podcast that was chocolate-fueled long before the Easter Bunny made it popular. Lots of people were having chocolate-fueled park runs on the weekend or, you know, with the promise of future chocolate on the horizon, having a bit of a guilt run. Did you get out and have a run this weekend, Scotty? I did. And welcome, Mel. Thanks for joining me this week. How do I sound? How, how do you sound? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you, you sound very baritone this week. Good, because I want to apologise. Is that your news voice? No, I want to apologise. So, last couple of weeks, I've sounded terrible. So, I went out and brought a new microphone. And hopefully, I'll sound better. Oh, okay. But anyway, that's not... So, you're going to blame it on the equipment? I am. I'm going to blame it on the equipment, because it was the equipment's fault. I was using a crappy little headset. But now I've got and a proper microphone. Was, was that was that little headset only ever used the last two weeks? It wasn't used previously. Oh, I might have in in a couple of times pulled it out, but okay, I'm back on track now. I'm, I'm very professional, and hopefully Excellent. sounding like- very professional. <laughs> well, you're sounding very something. But in answer to your earlier question, uh, yes, I did have a run on Saturday. I had a family run with the two girls. We got in nice. the Easter spirit. It wasn't a big Easter theme where I was, but um, there was there was a basket of eggs at the end, and I sampled a couple. One or two? Two. We didn't have any eggs this year. I just kind of decided that I wasn't going to go shopping to provide almost 300 people with chocolate on Parkrun Day this year. Hmm. I've donated a lot of chocolate over my time. I'm just not going to this year. And nobody else bought eggs. But nobody asked me about it. Nobody missed it. There you go. I'd say they all had enough in their own homes already. Yeah, look, no shortage. But you mentioned (laughs) you had 300 runners on the weekend. So you're a holiday destination, which leads to some stats we didn't quite have 300, but we were pushing it, and that that's quite close to our course attendance record, and we did have 80 first-timers, and they were not first-time park runners, the majority of them, they were adventurers, and yes, we are a holiday destination. Well, there you go. So, I don't want to step on Ian's toes here, but we had a great weekend. We broke our national record. National attendance record. Do you want to know the final number? Yeah, I would, actually. I don't know what that is. 33,192 parkrunners ran or walked on Wowzers. Yeah, it's a good number, isn't it? Worldwide, we went over 200,000. So there was 210,000 people attended parkrun over the weekend. That's a lot of runners. Isn't it? Or walkers. Yeah. I don't suppose you know what our previous national record was off top of your head. <laughs> I put you on the spot now. <laughs> Ian, see, this yeah. is where you're not stepping on toes. Ian would know. Yeah, exactly. Ian would have known that. So there's the difference. <laughs> there's the difference between the two of us. But have a, li- have a listen to this um, list of events that broke their attendance record this week. Hobart, Central Lakes, Victor Harbour, Taree, Geograph Bay, Bunbury, Rhodes, Golden Beach, Harvey Bay, Tamworth, Kingscliff, Bendigo, Kira, Curl Curl, Lake Jundalup, Ballarat, Noosa, Main Beach, Sandgate, 
Marimbula, Yamba, Fingal Bay and Ely Beach. People have gone on Easter holidays and gone bike running. That's, but see, that's 10% of the events in Australia have broken their course attendance records. And that has to be, especially when you consider the fact that it's also a national attendance record. That's not just robbing from, you know, the, I don't want to use the word boring, but perhaps the non-holiday type destinations (laughs) where people actually live and so it's not just taking those park runners away. More park runners are also coming. Yeah, yeah, there were. I mean, the numbers. I was at Westerfolds. The numbers were a little bit down, but not much. And we're a, we're a big city town. We're a big city event. <laughs> so yeah, you can't argue with facts. And those facts are park runs hot right now. <laughs> we talk about it being hot in um, January and February, but. Uh, to still be going strong now is good signs. Easter is always a big weekend, I think. Um, historically speaking, even in previous years, it's it it's cool. It's cooling down. People are on holidays. People are happy. People want to run off some chocolate. I think these are the factors that contribute. But there's also other fun stuff that happens over this weekend for the last several years we have had a gentleman named Phil Rourke aka the Eggman do some fun things um, with Guinness World Records and egg and spoon racing have you you would have heard about this a couple of years ago there was actually a national call out for people to try and break the five kilometer egg and spoon um, Guinness World Records yes. Scotty were you involved did you guys do a record attempt at your event at that time look I was involved in it a few years ago but I, we didn't partake in it at uh, my event I can't remember anyway it was it wasn't last year it was the year before I think yeah it was a few years ago now yeah. but uh, this year Phil's Phil's had a crack at doing two a crack <laughs> <laughs> pun intended <laughs> And one of our parkrun adventurers and roving reporters, Dave Moss, was actually there where he did it at Sandgate Parkrun, and he had a chance to speak to Phil afterwards, and this is what he had to say. Okay, hi, I'm, I'm hi, with uh, Phil Rourke at uh, Sandgate Parkrun, and hi, Phil, Dave. you've just done a 5k jog with yes. two eggs. How'd I, you go? I started with two eggs, I was going for the world record for two eggs five kilometres egg and spoon race and it's never been done before as far as I know it was going to be a brand new record with Guinness but uh, unfortunately I broke one egg I dropped the right hand egg after roughly two, two kilometres and I, I carried on as, as, as usual as, as I would normally because I'm an egg and spoon runner uh, I've done the Gold Coast Marathon a couple of times before and I suddenly realised I have not managed to do the single egg uh, world record yet so I could just convert it to a five kilometre single egg egg and spoon <laughs> world record and I did it in 24 minutes 30 Brilliant. Thanks. On that one. And uh, I think we've, uh, in the past, we've had world records going through. Why are you, why do you do it? Part, partly uh, personal achievement and to improve my running and, and just, as, just as an athlete. Uh, obviously, I enjoy the running aspect, but also yeah. to raise awareness for autism Queensland. Uh, I, I work in a special school and I see a lot of kids who could do with a bit more help in life. So I think it's just nice to give a little bit back to those, uh, to, to, to the, some of the less, less fortunate Hence the hat and the shirt today. No, the shirt stands out. For, uh, for the listeners, uh, he's wearing his Eggman T-shirt. 
Not off the Beatles, but uh, I noticed a few supporters wearing similar sorts of things. Yes, we, well. I had a few henchmen run, running around me because it's, it's pretty busy at Sandgate and we, we, we had a few, uh, few close shaves, but the, the runners were very considerate and uh, thanks, thanks oh, for that. It's a beautiful morning down here as well. Uh, very, very quickly, um, do you have any uh, magic training techniques or anything? Not really. I've done this three or four times successfully in training. I was even here Wednesday night in the dark and I did the same route <laughs> with two eggs. I, I pushed it out to seven and a half k's. So I was reasonably confident, but it's just it's, it's partly training, partly on the day. Okay. But hey. No trouble. And have you got any tips for anyone else who is an aspiring egg and spoon racer? Just try to keep your, just try to keep your egg arm nice and free and bouncy so you can go with the flow, basically. Be the egg, that's what we say. And out of interest, uh, your competition, if this is a world record, do you know whereabouts other people tend to do a lot of... It's quite, there's quite a, quite a uh, following in America, a man called Ashrita d does egg and spoons. There's, uh, yeah, there's a German bloke who, who took yeah. the mile egg and spoon off me. So there are a few, a few pockets of uh, egg spooning around the world. Thank you very much for your Thanks, time, David. Phil, okay. and good to see you. Thanks very much. Thanks, Dave Moss, for getting that report. Great to hear from Phil and a new world record, which is great. An unintended huh. new world record. <laughs> Hopefully it gets recognised since that's not what he was actually planning to do. Mm. Do you think Guinness will pull him up and say, well, technically? I don't know. They're fairly stringent. I do recall when we had to, um, well, when because we did try it at my local event um, a few years ago and uh, the egg came off after about two kilometres, um, unfortunately. But there's so many rules that you have to, like, jump through all, all these, these hoops. Like, for example, your course has to have been measured at measured by an accredited um, like athletics coach or somebody um, who's allowed to have done that kind of thing and then you have to have three impartial judges who are from various backgrounds um, that are recognized by sporting organizations or you know like when you want to go get a JP to sign something you have to tick all these boxes about yeah this these guys verify it and then you have to video it and this, it's a whole big deal to actually set it up. So uh, Guinness know what they're doing in terms of making sure everything's legitimate and I'm sure they've had heaps of practice with this at Sandgate but uh, whether or not, I can't remember if you have to sort of specify at the outset that this is the record you're going for and they can alter it afterwards. I guess if you've got those judges there and the video footage um, – proving it and everything like that you, you should have a fairly strong case hopefully he does because yeah that that's a bit cool having a guinness world record set at a park run in australia we're going to venture over to south australia again and we're going to catch up with one of the should i say smaller Park runs in Australia. Welcome to the podcast, Nat Clothier from Clare Valley Park Run. Hi, everybody. Now, Clare Valley, if if you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, Mel and I do not know where anything is in Australia, but we know where this one is because you're in the wine country. We are. We're in one of the premier wine spots in South Australia. And you actually start on the Riesling Trail. We do. We run along the Riesling Trail, um, 
past vines and um, bushland and all sorts of things. Are you actually, is it in a vineyard or is it just alongside or how, how is the park run, how is the park run set up? Uh, it, well, our Riesling Trail runs from just north of Clare right through to Auburn and we've got a section just on the outskirts of town uh, near the showgrounds. So we run from there down to Seven Hill, um, right to where Seven Hill Cellars and Seven Hill Historic Cemetery are and then we turn around and come back. So we run through a few different things. Being an old rail trail, it's got cuttings and bridges and it runs beside a group of vineyards um, about halfway along. That was going to be my next question. I, I understand what a rail trail is, but um, a Riesling trail, it, it sounds delicious. Um, I just was wondering. So it it runs in between vineyards, literally. You, you can just see vines and grapes as you're running. Yes, absolutely. And you get to run past and turn around Seven Hills. Do you ever uh, get tempted to have a little bit of a wine station there for your runners? Uh, possibly, although it is also at the cemetery. So people are pretty keen when they reach that to turn around and come back. <laughs> they don't really want to stop at that end. Is it? Is it quite an old cemetery? It is. It's a historical cemetery from the original um, uh, monks. Oh, what's the word? They're, they started the Seven Hill um, cellars down there. Oh, well, then it should be a happy cemetery if they're monks who started started making wine. <laughs> That's none of those terrible, violent, historic deaths or anything like that. No, I don't think there's any of those in there. Awesome. And so you're the founding event director at Clare Valley. What what drew you to Parkrun? Because obviously that's a little bit of a distance away from your closest event. How did you first hear about it? What's your running story? Well, I heard about it through a friend who was living up in Queensland at, a time, at the time and had started going to Parkrun. And when I asked her about this thing that seemed to make her extremely happy and she encouraged me to start running, she told me that there was a Parkrun at Torrance in Adelaide. So on my honeymoon, no less, I turned up on the second day of my honeymoon with my poor husband in tow who was very hungover and um, went for my first kind of run with all these park runners and I must have looked really lost because I made about 20 friends in five minutes when I turned up and they all told me how it would work and what I needed to do and where I would go and when I finished they were all really friendly and asking me how I liked it and I thought this is fantastic, this is what running should be about. Well, you're still in your wedding kit, Nat. Maybe that's why you were so... No. No? No. It was a little while after the wedding. Okay. Maybe maybe they felt sorry for the girl who rocked up with the hungover husband. <laughs> they did wonder who he was for a while. <laughs> well, you've started your marriage off on the right foot, that's for sure. He's, you can't complain, yep. you know, a few years down the track that, you know, this is not what I married. You, you got into it straight away. Mm-hmm. And have you continued running, both you and your husband? Uh, my husband's not much of a runner. But he does uh, support us quite a lot. He's always out at Parkrun doing all sorts of jobs and tail walking and whatever needs to be done at the time. But, yeah, he'll, he's the first to admit he's not much of a runner, but I do run. And he continues to support me, which is awesome. Now, I mentioned in my intro that you, you are one of the smaller events going around. How does mm-hmm. that go with getting support? Because that's one of the challenges the smaller events face, asking for volunteers every week. Uh, that is the one thing that even being small, we really have not had a lot of trouble with. In our early days when we were very small or it was pouring with rain or 
minus two degrees or something, there were a few days I dragged the kids and the hubby out and said, you're all doing jobs. But we generally have our um, volunteer roster full a couple of weeks in advance at least and that we very rarely have to put out a call for volunteers. People are happy to do it. That's awesome support. And do you get a lot of adventurers coming out to visit and taking in, you know, the local vineyards as well for the rest of the weekend? We do. We get quite a lot of visitors. Um, We've had them from all over South Australia, all states of Australia now, I think. And we've had some from a lot from the UK when they travel Australia. They pop up and taste the wine and have a park run. And we've had uh, the one of the World Masters steeplechase organisers here from Italy as well. Ah, steeplechase. See, it's coming up again. I I think I've got to take this as a sign that I really do need to get into steeplechase, (laughs) you know, after I have the baby. It's probably not a good idea right now. They're really big, Mel. Like the steeples are really big. It's not like it pop over them. I got I've got long legs. What are you saying? They're challenging. <laughs> I challenge you to a steeplechase, Scotty. <laughs> hey, well, there's no steeplechases on the Clare Valley course, but you guys celebrated your 50th event this week, and I wish I'd checked out your Facebook page beforehand because you celebrated with donuts. Was it donuts for we every did. runner? It was. It was 50 donuts for 50 events. Oh. So being that we were a bit down on numbers this week, everybody got multiple donuts, which was very well received. Well, that's fantastic. So a local bakery just thought these people need some donuts? I went and got them. Uh, we've got a bakery just up the road from the showgrounds, and that's where we go is our parkrun cafe for coffee afterwards. And they provided us with 50 lovely fresh donuts at 7am on Saturday morning. Can we arrange that every week? I would like to. <laughs> Yeah, we need to make sure the bakery listens to the podcast. Nothing undoes five kilometres of running quite like a donut every time <laughs> you do it. <laughs> but it, it, it's very, um, uh, it's a big incentive. My daughter spends the whole time going, I'm not allowed to complain. I'll get a donut if I don't complain. <laughs> that is good motivation. Nat, you've got celebrations happening two weeks in a row because your anniversary is coming up will you be repeating the donuts or doing something different this coming weekend oh we're doing something a little bit different we're having a proper first birthday like any little kid's first birthday we're going to have cake and we'll probably have some decorations and just a lot of fun to be had so we've got a local lady making us a very special parkrun birthday cake Yum. And are you expecting sort of bigger numbers? I'm hoping so, but I haven't actually heard um, from anyone whether they'll be coming up or not, but um, we'll see how it goes. We sort of, we get surprised. Sometimes we think it's a big weekend, um, like we thought Easter might be big. Lots of people travel to the Clare Valley, but we were fairly quiet. It might explode next weekend and we might have heaps. Now you're also a member of the South Australian Roadrunners Club. So did you join them before or after Parkrun? When when did your running journey itself actually start? Well, I was a cross-country runner in primary school and then I did that awful thing that a lot of people do and I gave up during my teenage years and into my 20s and now I'm trying to undo all the years I didn't run. But, yes, I joined uh, SARC after I'd started gone to parkrun a couple of times I did a couple of half marathons before I really knew what I was doing so I 
went to the Great Ocean Road for my first one and was a little bit stunned. <laughs> and, yeah, now then I spent a bit of time getting park run off the ground and now I'm here. So your first, your first half marathon was the Great Ocean Road half. Yes. That was Which before is... I knew what the heck I was doing and how hard it actually was. Well, that's that's kind of jumping in the deep end, isn't it? Because you've got some serious uh, hills on the Great Ocean Road and a lot of wind, I understand as well. Yes, it was pretty. It was pretty hard work. And have you found the support of the club to to really help you? Like, does does Sark actually do um, organised club events as well? I think they do in the city. I'm a regional member, so um, I have access to all their online training plans for different distances and a bit of a discount on entry to SARC events. Being not in the city, being so far from the city, we don't get as much benefit out of it, but I know they do run regular running groups and um, events. Now, Nat, we usually ask for a top three. Now, because you've only visited a few park runs around South Australia, have you got a South Australian park run that you've run it this year? Oh, that one's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love my own because I've been on a bit of a PB streak here, but outside of Torrens, uh, my favourite place to go is probably Victor Harbour. They are the most welcoming and friendly people, and I'm always on holiday when I go there, so <laughs> it's even better. Well, holidays help, but we, we, we do hear very good things coming out of Victor Harbour. It's, it's a yes. popular nomination. It is. Have you got some more adventures planned? There will be some adventures planned. Um, mostly this year I'm going to try and get around and maybe, hopefully, get my statesmanship in SA. Um, I've got to go back to Renmark because I went there and was run director for them but haven't actually run it. Um, but I'll go tripping about the countryside a bit and try all the different park runs that have popped up since we did. But I hear that there's a few more coming, so I might have to work a bit harder at that than I thought. We've got this awesome competition going at the moment with Medibank where you can pick your dream parkrun location. Have you had a thought about that? Have you had a thought about which event you really want to get to? I think I would have to say um, the beaches. I, I love the beach and I would just adore running down the beach coupled with the fantastic, you know, spirit of parkrun. It would just be amazing. We're kindred spirits. Would you, would you take, <laughs> if you win, will you take me? Because that's on my top list as well. My number one. Oh, maybe. You maybe. have to fight my family, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth a try. On that, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast this week. Um, I think that's going to have to be our new question is asking everybody what, what their must-get-to event would be, even after the Medibank comp finishes. I am very keen to get to Clare Valley Park Run. It has been on my list just quietly um, ever since you guys launched. So. I can't wait to get back to South Australia. I haven't been there in about two years. The last time was to do a half marathon in McLaren Vale, organised by the South Australian Road Runners Club. So that was a really good one. Absolutely destroyed me, but there was wine at the end. So Claire is on the list. Excellent. Well, we look forward to welcoming you. It's time now to catch up with Andrew Bishak, who's got a crazy idea of running a really long way in a short period of time, but he's doing it for a wonderful cause. So let's find out a bit more about that. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. 
Hey, how you going, Scott? Good to be here. Now, you're doing a run from Adelaide to Brisbane in 80 days, 3,000 kilometres. And what's it all in aid of? So, Scott, um, I'm running for uh, some children in Australia. There's around 1,000 of them called the Butterfly Children. And the Butterfly Children, they suffer from a shocking, debilitating skin condition where they're missing the layers of protein that hold all their skin together. Um, essentially, they're missing the glue that holds holds everything intact. So they're, they're born um, in a really shocking way. The birthing experience is a, is a tragic experience for everyone concerned. And then they live their whole lives covered head to toe in blisters. So it's a, it's a terrible disease. It currently has no cure. And there's also, because there's such a short number, uh, a small number of people who suffer from it in Australia, there's also no direct government funding either. So um, it's, it's quite a tragic uh, uh, disease. Where, Andrew, did the idea to run a ridiculous amount of kilometres to, well, I guess, I mean, you're raising awareness as much as funds, but where did the idea come from to do that? Well, it was about uh, two years ago, um, a girl that I met called Kate Turner, um, who I'd actually met five years ago, um, she passed away a couple of years ago from this disease, and she was a uh, an absolute inspiration. Um, she suffered from a terrible case of this disease, um, yet she was so positively inspiring. Um, she never complained about a thing and uh, and just got on with life. And uh, she passed away at 26 years old. And it was at that point a couple of years ago that I, I just wanted to do a lot more. I've been doing a lot of fundraising for the cause, but it just didn't seem enough. And uh, Brisbane has um, a remarkable... Uh, a gentleman called Dean Clifford, um, who's rough as a butterfly child and suffers severely from this condition, and he lives in Brisbane. And I thought it'd be a fitting tribute to start this run in 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 Adelaide and finish in Brisbane, which um, uh, clocked up uh, uh, you know around 3,000 kilometre mark, um, creating uh, my slogan: 3,000 Ks in 80 days for a cure. Okay, and so do you you start this very soon? Yep, we start, uh, I kick off from Victor Harbour, which is about one hour drive down the coast from Adelaide, um, which is Kate Turner's hometown. So I finish in Victor, uh, sorry, start off at Victor Harbour on this Sunday, the 23rd of April from the Victor Harbour Yacht Club. And uh, there's going to be a commemorative launch and myself, my wife and my nine-year-old daughter will drive away and I'll be running off uh, uh, into the distance um, for the first leg of my 3,000-kilometre run. You've also set the lofty goal of raising a million dollars. What's significant about a million dollars? Because it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, and around the time of the funeral, um, one of the head researchers in South Australia and I were having a chat, and he was talking about the first stage of funding for a new cure they were looking to research into, um, the first stage was a million dollars um, and part of a three-stage process. So I just thought it was, a, it was a fitting figure to aim for and certainly it's become my passionate focus for the last good part of two years um, in, in the time that I've been coordinating the million-dollar run. Okay, so all the money's going to go to help these children out. Can you 
elaborate a bit more on the butterfly children themselves because it's not a disease I'm familiar with and it sounds it sounds pretty rough what do what do these kids go through yeah look it it is it is absolutely extremely um, painful for the children um, they they don't actually live a single day of their lives um, without feeling pain in fact um, the the, the disease that affects their skin on the external layers, it also affects their, their internal linings as well, so their mouth, their gums, their esophagus, their bowel lining, um, eyelids, everything where there's an epidermy lining of the skin um, is affected. So they, um, they have to have uh, these excruciating, um, very long baths to kill the infection. Um, and because they've got such a high risk of infection, um, they're constantly wrapped in bandages, usually from um, you know, the neck to their feet. And uh, the baths that they take are usually around three hours long, and it's normally a daily process um, their entire lives. Um, so it's, it is a, a disease that doctors around the world describe as one of the cruelest diseases they know. And the charity in Australia that that um, is out there desperately trying to raise funds for these children. It's called Deborah Australia. And they have a tagline that's, that is the worst disease that you've never heard of um, because so many people have not heard of this disease before, like yourself, um, before obviously meeting me. Um, and my goal is, is, to, is to raise that awareness so that these children um, who suffer daily um, uh, can certainly have some hope around um, uh, around reaching a cure um, by the people out there trying to trying to find one. Part of your fundraising attempts, Andrew, uh, involve the opportunity for people to join you on the run for a donation as well. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. This is a really exciting part of the Million Dollar Run. Um, it's an initiative we came up with a few weeks ago, and it's called Run for Thirty. So. What, what I'm doing is I'm encouraging any runner of any level from anywhere between Adelaide and Brisbane to join me. Um, they can do um, any distance run they like at any point during the run um, that I leave from on the day. Um, and I've got a, a long, long list of uh, towns that I'm going to be staying at and stopping in. So um, they can join me at any point of the route if they want to have a little uh, a little road trip and join me in a country town somewhere outside the capital city. They'll have the opportunity to do that. And for a $30 donation to the cause, they can run any distance they like along with me, which will give me some company as well and, uh, and create a good experience for everyone involved. And if somebody wanted to take part in that, how do they go about donating the $30 or more? Yeah, yeah. Look, um, they can jump on my Facebook page, The Million Dollar Run, and uh, we're just in the process of creating an event around that. So in the next few days, there will be an event page where they'll be able to uh, log on and join me. Um, in the meantime, uh, I have a donation tab on my Facebook page as well as my website, themilliondollarrun.com.au. And you can jump on that website or the Facebook page and uh, click through to the donation link and you'll be able to register Run for 30 um, when you secure your donation. Okay, that sounds good. I think I'll be running with you on your journey, Andrew. With everything on the Parkrun Adventurers, there's a Parkrun connection, and you're a Victor Harbour Parkrunner. Tell me about yes, Victor I Harbour. I am. 
Victor yeah. Harbour is beautiful. It's an absolutely gorgeous park run along the Esplanade, looking out to um, uh, the, the the coast and the cliffs, and um, it's just a stunning, stunning. Uh, uh, two and a half kilometre one way with a return loop of two and a half kilometres and it's just a beautiful, beautiful park run. Do you have any plans to scan your barcode in over the next 80 days from the 23rd of April? Uh, <laughs> Mel, that's a good one. I hadn't even thought about that. That's a, yeah, I'm sure I could. I'm, I might have to stick that in my pocket and take it with me. Absolutely. You should be able to find yourself near a lot of park runs Um when you've got 3,000 k's to run from south to north? Absolutely. And uh, I'd encourage all park runners who might be listening to this to, to definitely jump on and join me. Even if it's just 5 k's, um, you know, get involved and uh, do something a little bit different, make it, have a bit of fun with it and help a great cause at the same time. Andrew, good luck heading off on Sunday. <laughs> good luck for the next 80 days on your journey to Brisbane. Thank you, Scott. Really appreciate it. So 80 days of running over a four-month period. That's an average of five marathons a week for the next four months, uh, running 80 days in that four-month period. And, uh, yeah, I uh, just can't wait to get out there and uh, looking forward to meeting as many runners out there on the road as I possibly can. We'll be keeping an eye out for you. Awesome. It's time now to have a look at the Parkrun Diary. Mel, would you care to join me in going through the list of launches and anniversaries for the week? Um, sure, but I'm not sure I can take you seriously with that voice. Just trying something <laughs> yeah. different. Just trying something different. Okay. Uh, well, let's go back to normal. Uh, we're launching Ararat this week in Victoria, in the greater state. Now, Ararat, awesome. Ararat was famous a few years ago. It was on The Biggest Loser as the fattest town in Australia. So this is a step forward, hopefully. Now they've got a park run. I don't think they're the fattest anymore. I think when biggest losers come to town, biggest loser come to town, you lose weight. I think that's how it works. So you you don't think they are anymore? I don't know. I hope not. Might need to start doing some research <laughs> before we do these podcasts <laughs> and make false assumptions or accusations. I watched a couple of episodes <laughs> of The Biggest Loser a couple of years ago and Ararat were on. Ararat. Okay. Fair enough. I'm sure they will all benefit whether or not they are still the fattest here. And in terms of anniversaries, we've got two in Victoria, the greatest state again. Layla are celebrating their first and Sale are doing their second anniversary. Wow, has it been a year since Layla launched? Yes. You remember when we launched Layla last year? I do. I remember talking to Mel about it and wow. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Time goes so fast. It'd be great to get a report from Laylaw's anniversary. Hint, hint. Anyone going along? Or sales for that matter. Yeah. But there's heaps of As anniversaries we, this week. There are. It's like a massive party weekend all over the country. Um, we spoke earlier to Nat from Clare Valley, who are celebrating their first anniversary. Ginny, Gin and Dara in the ACT are celebrating the big number five. So they're heading for their 250 shirt. If they haven't already got it, they may already have that by now. Rockingham in WA 
turning number four. You know, I checked out I checked out Rockingham recently. That looks like a a pretty course. Looks like a bit of fun, Rockingham. I think we might have to pay them a visit soon. Great place to get an R if you want to join the Pirate Club in WA. And Stones Corner, our old mate Ian Hay. He's celebrating his third. And also in Queensland, Augustine Heights. They've been around for a while, four years. Yeah. That's a, another quiet one. We should we should get on to uh, their ED and have them on the show. Thanks for the Easter posts on Instagram. That was lovely. Thank you. To everybody who did that, I'll give you an update on my book. I finished Born to Run. Ah, oh, did you? Yes. Got better. You got some downtime over the weekend? Yes. And it got better? It got better. Yep. I still won't okay, put it in well, my top 10 of books to recommend to runners, but... <laughs> um, you wouldn't put it in your top 10. Mm. You're trying to tell me that there are 10 <laughs> books for runners... Other than this book that you would recommend first. Well, I'll tell you what, that's my goal for the rest of the year, to find nine other books better than Born to Run, because I reckon there's got to be at least nine. Well, see, that just sounds like a really poor recommendation <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah, look, I loved this book. I loved it. Oh, you're mad. You know what I think it is? I think because I've come to it too late. So a lot of the stuff that was in it, I think I'd already heard of, and it's become, how should I put it? So you weren't learning anything new? There was nothing revelationary for you? Not really, no. Like, there were parts of it that were interesting, don't get me wrong. I just did, I didn't connect. And um, okay. that's pretty hard. To fall in love with a book when you don't get the connection. All right. It felt, well, like, it felt like a school assignment towards the end. But I got through it. Oh, poor Scotty. Yeah. Well, you will have to recommend one for me to read, and I will have to get onto that well, at some point. We're doing the Land Era, and I know some of our listeners have already read it before I've even really started, but I'm giving you more time to read it, the Land Era. That's the one that we're going to discuss I've on looked, Book Club. It's not easy to find. I've looked in my local libraries. I've looked in my local bookstores. I'll, I'll have to track it down somewhere online. Yeah, because I'm not prepared to discuss Born to Run in our Parkrun Adventures book club. I think we both need something that we both love. Oh, well, that's high expectations. You might, you know, I might just not like this out of spite now. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Be like that. Thank you for joining me this week, Scotty. Scotty.